Ola from the dark streets of Kazumel. I'm staying in the city center with the locals. It's a dead island. The cruise ships aren't coming, so I'm in a lonely world. It's the only gringo, but I love it. It's adventure. It's quite safe here. There's not as much narco influence on the island. So yeah, anyways, we have a wonderful episode today with my man, the samurai, samurai Kurt. Dude has a wicked story of following his passion, playing professional football over, actually, arena football first, quit his nine to five job, wasn't feeling fulfilled after his college experience at UNLV Division One, go Rebels, and uh, went from uh, arena football to Berlin, played some German GFL League football, and then he found his way in Tokyo. Man's getting world traveled by following his passion. I love it. Guy's got good energy, kind of a clean cut, you know, ABC type of dude, but I love his bold vibe. Shout out Mr. Cody Scherf for connecting us. They were teammates at UNLV. Look at that, the community. It keeps growing, baby. Connect the doers. Hope you guys enjoy this very much. Have a great day. Another day, another dollar. Death, taxes, and a great bold perception episode. That's what you're guaranteed in life. And we got a good one today connected by my good friend, Cody Scherf down in Arizona. This is his college teammate, a rebel. UNLV, dude's got a, a wicked story, battling adversity, finding his way over in Berlin. Now he's by Tokyo. His name's Kurt. Today we're going to get into this whole football nomad life. We're going to talk about how he kind of did some crazy stuff in college, taking loans to invest money and and uh, we're going to get after it. I'm very excited to have Kurt on here. I've heard a lot of good things from you, man. How is uh, – it's mo- It's the next day over there, right, in Japan? Yeah, man. Yeah, uh, it's it's Monday here. But thanks for having me on, by the way. Yeah, it was great that uh, Cody was able to connect us and uh, finally meet you and, and get on the show. But, yeah, it's been a journey to get here, man. It's, uh, it's 10 a.m. in Tokyo, uh, Monday morning. First question, why? Why are you still playing football? You didn't make it to the NFL. I mean, some people go to the CFL, but – I get this asked all the time. What the hell are you doing in Europe playing football? They play football there. And I mean, why do you still play this game? That's a fair question. You know, it it seems a little bit crazy maybe to some people, but uh, to me, it was a no brainer. It was, you know, you could always work the rest of your life, but you can never go back to play football. You only have a short time to play. And, you know, it's something that you'll miss instantly once you're done. And I was like, you know what, if I'm going to keep playing until I can't. And uh, the, the nine to five corporate America is always waiting. Because didn't after college, you did get a regular job, right? Correct. So I graduated um, UNLV. Uh, my last season of football was 2017. And then I actually joined UNLV baseball spring of 2018. So after that spring of 18, I joined a finance company, worked for about nine months, and then uh, I got back into football. So yeah, I did the, the nine to five lifestyle for a little bit. You know, it, it wasn't 
it wasn't ideal, but there was definitely an emptiness where I, I knew I wanted to get back into football and have real purpose instead of just being content where I was. I think this happens to a lot of football players, a lot of athletes. Um, what do you think it is? is? Are we missing the competition or, or is there something in the game we just can't replicate that anywhere else in life? I mean, what is this about sports and particularly football that is dug deep into us? Yeah, I think for each person, it's a little different. You know, I know I've heard some guys say that they miss like the brotherhood and the locker room, which is true. There's a piece of that. I think some of that is that competition. You know, you miss like proving your worth and actually beating somebody at something. But I think for me, I feel like I didn't finish no closure. So my senior year at UNLV, uh, I didn't really play much, uh, got a couple snaps, but I felt like a little unsatisfied of like, I still could play and I didn't have a chance to end it. It almost have been easier for me to quit if like maybe I had a bad injury or, you know, something, or I did really good and, you know, I got cut from the NFL, but I didn't have that closure of this is how it ended. You know, I just kind of drifted into corporate America. I was like, you know, I, I know I could still play today. I was sitting there in a shirt and tie and I still could run a four or five. And I was like, you know, I got to do something with this. And I definitely missed having a clear mission. Like when I was in college, it was clear to be the best football player I could be and get the best grades I can get. And that was like my two things that I focused on. And then once that ended, I was like, what am I really trying to achieve? I guess I'm just trying to be a good employee and, and make money. But there was no real like top of the mountain I was striving for anymore. That purpose, that's a big thing. Yeah, you know what I mean, exactly I think, and, and uh, when you play sports or when you get a part of like a team, it's like, this is it right here. Focus on the mission and go and get oh, yeah. it. This is your purpose. And I mean, I think when you go into corporate world and all that, maybe it turns into like a family or the purpose thing, you can have it all. You can be on the beach in Mexico drinking beers with beautiful women and be like, damn, like. That's what you're doing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's what you got. But well, I should, almost got that. It's fun for like a day or two, but then you're like, you know, I got to have my mission, my purpose. Luckily, this bull perceptions is one of my things. Like it gives me something to feel fulfilled and create and build. But everyone always talks about that. Like, don't matter how much money you got in, in those certain type of things, like you still want to like human nature is to strive for something, to build, to create, to, to do. Yeah. You need to have a purpose. Yeah. You definitely need that. You know, there's, it's kind of like that vacation, right? You can have that vacation life in Mexico, hanging out, drinking on the beach, but after a while you're going to be like, what am I doing? You know, it's great that you can combine both. I think you found a perfect little niche out there, man. You're, you're chasing your goals. And then uh, when you have lunch break, you're hanging out on the beach, man. So I'm sure a lot of people envy your lifestyle right now. I can't complain. No complaints. Hakuna, Hakuna Matata. But okay, hey, so senior year, you're a Division One athlete, you're a UNLV Rebel in Las Vegas, you're benched, you're the backup, you're kind of humiliated. I'm a quarterback. I've been benched once and it was one of the, for us, I mean, quarterbacks automatically have egos. We're leaders. We're like, hey, let's go after this thing. You're a senior with the squad you've been with. I know you were in junior college. We'll get into that. But how do you deal with that ego hit? I mean, most people, they transfer. Most people, they quit. You know, I think there's uh, definitely a, a tough time where you're like, how can I contribute to the team? You know, and I think the biggest thing is just focusing on what I could control. And I said, you know, you, you never know if your number is going to get called. I mean, football is a crazy game. Look at the Denver Broncos. They had, you know, receiver playing quarterback just like last week. So, you know, you never know. And you always have to prepare like you are going to play. And then, you know, that moment never really came. So it can be frustrating. And, and, you know, in hindsight, you might be like, oh, maybe I should have transferred or, or done something to get on the field. But moment in time taught me is like, OK, how can I be the best version of myself even as the backup? How can I be the best person to this team and contribute? And, and positivity is like contagious, right? So if you're just going to be a pouting, whining backup 
and, and kind of bring everyone else around you. No one wants to be, be around you. No one wants to spend time with you. And it's almost like a cancerous environment you create. But even in a backup position, you could you can really help your team win and help the team attitude and also improve yourself as a human being. Like you can focus on, okay, this is my network. There's so much opportunity within it. How can I make the most of it? And I think just flipping that perspective is the best thing I can say. Yeah, it's a lot easier said than doing, though, especially as a quarterback. Yeah. I know that really helped me was getting my circle small, just putting the tunnel vision on like, hey, you got to go to work, just zone out what they're saying, zone out what everyone's thinking. Because a lot of times you're thinking they're thinking something else. Know what I mean, and then you're you know, you're not living in reality. No one really gives a f- that you're benched and all that stuff and do what you can each day. Right. That's what you're talking about. Yeah, that's definitely, I would say, definitely easier than done, said than done, like you're mentioning, because, like, you know, it's human nature. You, you think, like you said, you, nobody in the world really cares besides maybe you and your family, or, and that's about it. Like, nobody really cares about your position, and uh, no one's feeling sorry for you, so don't feel sorry for yourself. And you just got to accept accept reality, like you're saying. That's a good point, because I think some guys do think, like, everything they do is, like, ESPN headline news. Like, it's not. Just keep going, stick with the process and you don't know where you're going to end up, but nothing's as good as it seems and nothing's as bad as it seems. So it's like, you know, it's just accept where you're at and and be real with yourself and then try to get better from where you're at. That's a great point too. Cause I remember when I was sitting at those low points and I'm like, Oh, I can't wait to prove all you wrong. And like, I'm going to get you guys back. And then I would get to the high point again. And it was like, damn, like, that's it. And then I'm on to the next thing, right? I'm looking for the next <laughs> thing. And, and those dudes, the, nothing's really changed. I mean, you do have it over. I'm like, yeah, but you know, I did it. But that is, I think, a good point. Putting them blinders on, getting rid of the ego and, and all that. But I mean, maybe not you. You kind of seem like one of those laid back QBs, you know, like, but me, I was a flamethrower. So my ego was bad. Like it was, it was my best thing and my worst thing. So it was hard to, to control. So yeah, you had a tough stint in Vegas. Um, but, mm-hmm. you know, let's kind of go back a little bit further too. You were you were a Ju- Juco boy like me, right? Right, definitely. You know, I, I love JC Nation. I support Juco firmly. I love people that get on through the process. Uh, I guess to, to get to junior college, I'll give you a little summary of like how I ended up there. Is In high school, I wasn't the most highly recruited guy. I was a three-sport athlete, uh, football, basketball, baseball. But football, we were mainly a running team. And, I mean, teams could tell I was athletic by playing all the sports and, and my film, but we didn't really throw much. And, I didn't have any full uh, scholarship offers coming out of high school, no FBS, just a couple of FCS teams. So I ended up picking the uh, North Dakota. Felt like it was uh, my best opportunity. And, and it was kind of an awakening of like how little I knew about the game of football. You know, I was really just dove in first time of being just a quarterback. And I learned about coverages, schemes, and really just became a, a quarterback. I would say no longer just an athlete. I became a quarterback. And after I was redshirted, the first season ended and our coaches got fired and a lot of guys started going junior college. And that's when I became aware of it as an option. And I saw some of their stories looking into junior college and other guys have done it. And then, then it became a viable option in my head. I was like, all right, maybe that's a possibility. I stayed through the spring. I felt like I was definitely a lot better than I was in high school. And, and uh, I felt like I was able to prove it maybe a little bit better. And that, that's when that kind of led me to go to junior college. I was like, hey, I want to give it another chance in the recruiting cycle. And I just started contacting schools that had a lot of transfers. And, and that's how I ended up at Laney College. And, and I was thankful to be able to play under Coach John Beam, Last Chance U. Uh, wasn't there when it was a TV show, but um, it became a great opportunity and got me to UNLV. So 
Yeah, I, I definitely support junior college. It can be a great second try and a great chance to like prove yourself. Junior college turns boys into men. No, I mean, it is like survival to fit. A lot of those dudes, if they don't get somewhere, they're, they're going to jail. They're going back in the streets. I mean, people don't understand junior college is not a joke. It turns you into a man. Definitely, man. Everyone that plays junior college has those stories of guys going to prison. They might be your starting defensive end, and next thing you know, they're arrested or guys missing practice because who knows what. And there's those crazy stories of people living under bench. You, you never know people's journey. But what I loved about junior college, it's the purest form of football because you're saying that. Like, nobody's playing junior college football because they want to stay there, right? You can't stay there. Everyone's playing because they want to go to the next level. And it's an awesome atmosphere because everyone will do everything they can in their ability to get better, to help the team win, to try to get seen. It's been the most bought-in team I've ever been in was at Laney College because of that. Everyone wanted to go play in the NFL or get out of Oakland and get a scholarship and better their life. And you can't find that anywhere else. Like, it's just the truest form of, like, all in. And I love that. You know, people are willing to risk it all. No, it's a, it's a dog-eat-dog world, and that's why you need someone like that beam or some, like, you know, tough-ass coach to get everyone in line and send the dogs at the other teams because, like, the person next to you, you and him are competing to, like, change your guys' lives. If one gets a scholarship, their whole life trajectory is different. The other one's going back to the streets or being homeless or, you know, working at McDonald's. I mean, that's how serious it is. But that's, that's what really helped me with my mindset is because, like, you're kind of talking about, like, that butterfly effect, that trajectory. It's so real, right? Like, if you have one game in junior college, two games, you start stacking good games, your life could be dramatically different than if you don't even play. And you could just end up working at, you know, some local place, never making it out. And, and if you start thinking like that, it's almost like, man, each throw, each touchdown, you can be like, there's so much pressure of like, I'm changing my life as I do it. Or you can just be like, how can I just focus on the moment, just be as best I can, and that'll come later. And Junior college, it's like nobody's in the stands. Nobody cares, but you feel that pressure because you're like, hey, this is my one chance to get out. Like, I need to play well or else I might have just joined ROTC or something to pay for school. Like, you, you start thinking like, okay, you have a bad game or a bad practice. You're like, shoot, man, nobody's going to come offer me if I play like that. So I feel like the, the pressure of the future can definitely hurt guys. But I think it also could be an exciting time because you're like that what if. You're like, man, if I have a great year. I could be power five school. I could be in the NFL. I could. So it's the ultimate, like you can go to nothing or you could accomplish the world at junior college. And it's all in your take. It's a big like risk reward thing. You know what I mean? Like fortune, favor, fortune favors the bold and it, it turns boys into men. Like who's going to come out of it on top type deal. Because so, <laughs> yeah. somebody's getting that scholarship and it's, it's coming. It's just like, you got to beat someone out for it. And that's, that's where there's true competition that like you're talking about. It's still existing. It's not everyone's a winner. There are winners and losers in junior college. And uh, man, it's, it's definitely a cutthroat world, but I loved it. You know, it was fun. And I definitely agree, man. It, it makes people men. You grow up fast in junior college. It's not like what you see on movies and TV of like, when you, people think of college, I think people think of like fraternities, like, Oh yeah, I'm going to go to college, have fun, drink beer and party. And, It'd be a great four years. Like junior college, it's like, all right, man, I'm taking the bus to the train. All right, I can't buy lunch. So how am I going to get peanut butter and jelly? Like you're just grinding. It's like a lifestyle that's not glamorous at all. And because you're, you're one focus. Once again, you just have one purpose and that's, I got to get out of here. I got to get, I got to become the best student and best athlete and got to train and make it so there's no red flags for a team to recruit, man. Yeah, it's definitely not the traditional college experience, but man, it's, It'll make you grow up fast, and I definitely loved it for it. 
Yeah, it's the whole pressure makes diamonds or some people go bust. I mean, can't handle it. Mm -hmm. It is what it is. But for anyone that wants to know more about junior college, uh, please watch that Last Chance You on Netflix. I think there's some really good parts on there. I think it's still way crazier, um, like living it and experiencing it. But they give you a good idea of getting into like the mindset of, of that world. And it is fascinating. Last Chance You on Netflix. We were talking before we started recording about us quarterbacks. And there was like a thing in 2010, the top 32 QBs out of the 2010 high school class, 29 of them either transferred, weren't playing or quit. So there's three of them that were at their same school that they, you know, signed with in 2010 that were, that were playing. I mean, that's crazy. And that's what this life is as a quarterback. It's a merry-go-round and you're lucky as hell to even play. Uh, yeah, it's, Modern day, too. I mean, the transfer portal, guys moving around, even college football coaches, like everything's temporary. And you got to realize that is like, OK, what you're signing up for today is maybe not how it's going to be next year. And it makes you adaptive. Like, you got you to be able to say, OK, how can I make the most of this situation? Because you're saying all these guys, they're good players at one point. They obviously proved it. But for some reason, they didn't pan out at their school or their school didn't like them. And Sometimes it's just straight up a coach's decision. Maybe the person just doesn't think you're the guy. They don't want to believe in you. And quarterbacks, that one unique spot where it's like you get way more credit than you deserve and way more blame. So, yeah, it's like the coach is really putting his identity and his career on you. And, you know, sometimes you don't get your chance to prove yourself. And other times guys feel like they can go have some better opportunity somewhere else. So it's, it's fun, but it's definitely uh, – a lot of circumstances, not all in your control, especially with that transferring and, and really other people believing in you. Well, I mean, the big thing is like we talk about, yeah, the quarterback gets all the credit and all the blame, but it's literally your line's got to block. The right play's got to be yeah. called. Uh, your receiver's got to catch it. Your defense can't give up 60 a game. Like it's the ultimate team sport, but as a quarterback, it's like, it's throwing right. all on you. You know what I mean? You got to be the man. You got to take it all. And you I mean, take it. yeah. But for us to even get to like a starting position at any college, I mean, you got to think there's only one quarterback that plays. You probably have five on a roster, sometimes more. The co- we got the right coach has got to believe in you. The the team's got to get behind you. It's it's the ultimate like leader sport in sports. You don't get many chances to fuck up. You got to take it. That's what that's what really drew me to ultimately deciding to stay with quarterback. I, I mentioned earlier I played three sports, but that's like all for all those reasons you mentioned, that's why I couldn't ever hang up quarterback. I love that, like, all right, man, it's it's your team. You know, it's like it's not all you obviously, like you said, the line's gotta be good, the running backs, receivers gotta do your job so you can be successful. But at the end of the day, people are looking at like that's Nick's offense. Like, what can what is he doing? And uh, I love that about it. The ball's in your hand every play, you're making the decisions. You know, win or lose, it's it's on you. And uh, that's what's beautiful about the position. I, I love that. And I think to me, I've taken university course, I'm sure you have too, about organization and leadership and whatever. But quarterback's the ultimate leadership training you could ever ask for. It definitely makes you uh, a better person because of it. 100%. It sounds like you like to bet on yourself playing quarterback. You couldn't hang it up. I know you bet on yourself in, in the real world too with money. <laughs> By taking out yeah. loans. So what was this about again? This Definitely, is the JUCO man. stuff right here. This is um... <laughs> Yeah, I guess JUCO, I, I guess got to give credit to him for, for being bringing out a little bit of the scrappiness out of me. But, you know, definitely, I, I'm always willing to bet on myself because I guess this sounds a little harsh, but I feel like I have nothing to lose. And uh, there's a good, like, Steve Jobs quote about this that I love, actually. He, 
in one of his commencement speeches, he talks about all external factors like fear and fear of embarrassment or pressures of society. He's like, all that fade away if you realize, hey, I'm going to die soon. And he's like, you know, you might as well go for it because you have nothing to lose anyways. And, and that's a paraphrase. It's not word for word. I don't know exactly how it went. But once you realize you have nothing to lose, just go for it. And that's what made me go to junior college, try to go play at a high level football. And also what made me go like, okay, I really don't have much money now. Uh, and I had to take an, uh, a loan out to live in junior college at Laney. And I was like, even if I lose all this money now, it's not much money in the great scheme of things. It's only a couple of thousand dollars. But if I can improve this, like the risk reward was was a no brainer to me. It was like, I can improve my life drastically or I can lose a couple thousand dollars and I'll get that back when I join corporate America. And like, to me, it was a big risk. But to, when I explain what I was doing to some people, it sounds like just straight up gambling, you know, like you're gambling with your life. But to me, I really feel like I had nothing to lose anyways. So you basically took out loans and you invested them. Similar? Yeah. So, so I didn't take out a bunch of loans. Uh, what happened is like junior college, is, it's all out of pocket. There's no scholarship. So I had to take out a loan just for generic living. It was maybe 4500 bucks, And uh, I actually didn't get it till late in the year. So I was living just getting by, just doing some helping out the school, getting some money. But once I got that money uh, and I ended up going to UNLV on scholarship, I actually uh, was able to receive scholarship money and cost of attendance. And I said to myself, like, oh, I don't need to pay this back immediately. Let me see if I can make money on this loan money first before I return it. And then I'll have, I'll actually like make money on my loan instead of having to, to um, just pay it back for break even. And that's what uh, kind of got me into investing was that idea of being able to make money without like having to work because football is a huge time commitment. Like you're talking about playing quarterbacks, the ultimate thing. But I was like, how can I make money while I'm not at a job? Yeah, that's the, the whole cliche now, you know, last five years with Gary yeah. B and all that, make money when you sleep, the nomad life. Right. But before we get into that, what? how did you get this mindset that you have nothing to lose? I mean, were you born with nothing or like where does this kind of fearless, stoic mindset come from? Mm, I guess, no, I definitely wasn't born with nothing. I'm from, I would say, like middle class family in the Midwest. Parents were both teachers, uh, divorced household. But I mean, they're we were, we were fine. Everything we ever needed, I could get, you know, we weren't rich, but we weren't poor by any means. But I guess I felt I had nothing to lose in the sense of like, okay, when you look back at life, not that you don't wish, I don't want to like um, disrespect anyone's occupation, but when you're a kid, you dream of being like athletes, actors, whatever, author. And that's kind of where it developed is like nobody ever dreams of just like, I'm going to go work at Jewel Osco or something. And not, not that there's anything wrong with Jewel Osco, like, I, I feel bad for him, like picking a specific place. But my point was like, you might as well go for it all because that's always there waiting for you, right? So like, say I don't, I felt like, if say I don't become a professional athlete, say I don't become the next, you know, Bears quarterback, that's fine. I could always go back to Jawaska. That's always there waiting. And I always felt like that was a safety net, not the ultimate goals, not the peak of the mountain. So it's, it, I felt like I could always fall back on that. And that's to make sense. And not that it's a bad place to end up. I just felt like, you should aim farther and then you could always come back. Yeah. I like it. Not settling and blow your load and right. up. Then you can right. go back to what you normally would have done type deal. Exactly. So that's kind of where it began. And then with, with money, I, I began to, to realize what do rich people do with their money and kind of copying like, okay, 
you can't just work hourly and become rich. Like it, it's just impossible. You only have so much time in your day. And that's kind of what got me down the line of thinking of like reading books and just not creating the new system, just following like what's already out there and what people already do. And um, that's kind of what I got the investing bug was just like same idea of like, I have, I don't have any money really to my name right now. So I feel like there's, I can always come back to zero. Like I'm, I can't lose more than I have right now. So what were some of the best books or information you read on, on investing? Some of the books, I guess, uh, I read a book on, uh, Peter Lynch has a book, uh, I forget the title, it's like um, One Up Wall Street, I believe, kind of got me thinking. Uh, I know Benjamin Graham's got a famous one, The Intelligent Investor. Just read everything because everyone's opinion is is different. And I kind of like to do that is get a consensus of like what people think out there and then get enough knowledge to make my own opinion. Because if I'm going to be wrong, I want to be point the finger at myself. Like I made that decision because I thought it was best, not because I read some blog or some guy to tell me to buy the stock. So I was trying to really find the fundamentals of how to read a financial statement, how to evaluate a company. And then from there, I was like, I'll be able to pick what I want. But I would not read just stuff that's like, hey, I can get you 300% in a month, buy my stock picks. Like, not that information, but reading, trying to figure out how to really evaluate. But yeah, there's there's just a lot of good resources out there to, to learn from people that have done it and yeah. Age of information, I would say. Don't limit yourself just to books or the internet. Perfecto. All right, let's go back to, to the story about you trying to blow your load. So you said done with the corporate job and you shot yourself uh-huh. to indoor football, arena football. Yeah. So this is kind of an interesting. Sleeping in hotels, getting $300 a game, getting killed on the field. <laughs> yeah. Not ideal. Not ideal. So I guess, okay. After I left UNLV, I, uh, I joined uh, a company, a finance company, and I knew I kind of like wanted to do something, but I didn't know what in sports. I was like, I want to kind of get back. I was still training. And then one of my buddies, his name's Andrew Erbs. He played center and he was in the CFL a little bit, but he was uh, a guy that didn't even take, I don't even know how many snaps he took at UNLV, but you can probably count them on one hand. And I saw him go to the Canada. I was like, man, this is awesome. This guy just kept grinding, kept willing his way there. And uh, I reached out to him. I was like, hey, congrats, man. Kind of like asking him how he did it. And he's like, I told him I was thinking about doing pro day next year, maybe as receiver, just trying to run a fast forward. He's like, no, go to the IFL, get some film, get yourself an agent and try to get in. He's like, that's what I did. I went to IFL and now I'm in Canada. So I'm like, perfect. So I, was, I didn't know much about IFL at the time, but he's like, yeah, it's, it's a straight up grind. And uh, they don't really pay anything, man. You, you practice every day. You get paid maybe 200 bucks for the game. And it's definitely, uh, it reminded me back to like junior college, like back to the days of like, all right, I'm basically paying to play football at pro. And when I was working my finance job, it was a funny conversation. I I told them I was finally going to quit. They were like, uh, I was like, yeah, you know, I I definitely appreciate the opportunity here, guys, but I just, I got to go back to football. And they're like, okay, um, would more money change your mind? And I'm like, trust me, it's not about the money. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going to make $200 a game. So I'm definitely not doing it for the money. It's like, yeah, I understand. Good luck. But it was just funny because it's like those people, uh, they totally get it. Um, like you got to go for your, your dreams. It's, But it's definitely not the – like sometimes your family and friends can sometimes look at you with a sense of like, all right, I hope you know what you're doing because you're walking away from full-time job and salary and – you're going to go play for 
hundred, couple hundred bucks. So hope it works out. And uh, yeah, so w- let's talk about that though. Yeah. So like the money obviously is the emptiness inside of you worth playing for broke or just the opportunity to maybe, you know, see what happens. Like that fulfills the need and it's worth more than the money or what? Exactly. I, I think the thing to me was like, I, I kind of mentioned it earlier. I was like, I guess it's a little arrogance, but I always felt like I could always go back and get another job. I was like, man, I could always just come back here. And I didn't really feel like I was walking away from a once in a lifetime opportunity where with football, I really felt like, man, this is my one chance to make it. So I got to go for it. Like it wasn't hard for me to make that realization, but I think the fallacy people have is like, I think COVID exposed it as people look at a job and a good sense of a good source of income is like safety, right? They're like, I have my job, I have my monthly income. This is this is like the accomplishment. You're supposed to go to school, get a degree, get a job. But to me, that's it wasn't the end goal. And I was like, I could always come back to this, but it's not as safe as people think, as COVID exposed. Like it's not always there for you anyway. So you gotta create your own money as is. But you know, it's easier just to tell people like you know, I'm going to go all in on football and they could totally get that. But when you try to explain to them, like, Hey man, this job isn't like the safest thing anyways. Like um, sometimes I lose people. <laughs> it's funny. It's funny. Cause I'm looking at you and you kind of look like a, you know, like a, uh, an accountant, you know, you got the, yeah. the, the beard and then you're dressed with the little sweater and, and <laughs> but you got that bold, that boldness in you, you know what I mean? And this is where it gets cool because like your buddy did that didn't play at UNLV and somehow by following his passion, he made it to the CFL. And then now it's coming. Your story's coming. All of a sudden, you know, indoor football for 200 bucks. You know what I mean? And then then what happened, right? You went, you're following your passion and then some opportunities happen overseas or? Yeah. So I was playing in the IFL and uh, like I said, it wasn't great, but you know, it, was, it served its purpose. I got recent film, did some tryouts. Nothing was really happening, but a team from the GFL called me. Uh, well, found me on I don't know how they found it. I think it was like LinkedIn or email, something. They contacted me. That's kind of when I became a little more serious about going international. I was like, I always had it as an interest to go play maybe overseas, but uh, I didn't really know much about the process. And uh, Berlin Rebels kind of made it like, hey, we need a guy. Our guy's having a kid back in the States. We need like a quarterback ASAP. And, uh, yeah, it was a great opportunity to, to kind of jumpstart to uh, – traveling the world and, and really seeing what else is out there because it wasn't much money. It's not like playing in the NFL, but it was a great experience to go, go play football, like on a paid vacation, man. It was a, a great opportunity and, and it's brought me to Japan. So um, I'm definitely glad I took that chance to go play in the IFL. And, Tell me two things. One, making that jump. I mean, it sounds similar to the jump of quitting your accounting job kind of to the IFL, but this one's going overseas now in a foreign world. So let me hear about this. And then when you got to Berlin and we maybe started having some experiences where you're like, damn, like, look, look at this journey. And I'm glad I'm following my passion because it's leading me in these weird directions and, and cool things are happening. So, yeah, when I first got to Berlin, that was the first time I went to Europe and I didn't really know much about like, um, like the way of life. Like I, you can YouTube it, you can Google stuff, but like once you're actually there at a place living, it's a lot different than like 
vacationing, right? So like, say I go to, I went to Cabo, right? Uh, for a weekend, it's like, all right, you stay in a resort, you hang out at the beach, you're like in a hotel for a weekend. But until you actually live somewhere, you don't really understand like the local way of life and the local culture. And yeah, when I was in Berlin, definitely exposed to like, okay, I have no car. I got to figure out how to get around. Got to figure out public transport, get into practice. Guys in my huddle that don't maybe speak English. Like, how do I navigate this situation? Just trying to figure out like the core values of like how to connect to people that aren't like me and how can I help this team win once again? Like that became the mission of like, how can I fit in and how can I win games? Hold on, hold on. So the jump, being able mm-hmm. to make that jump, how, how did you do that again? Like was your passion calling you? Was something, did you have a dream? How did I make the jump from like, like what made me make, want to make the jump from like. Yeah, I mean, that's a big jump saying like, oh, I'm going to keep playing football. And this time I'm going all the way to a foreign world. And like, you know, I mean, what, was something pushing you? Was your passion pulling you again or what? I would say, yeah, my uh, definitely my curiosity and, and my passion for the game. I felt like it was a level up. It was definitely a, probably more money than the IFL, but it was I wanted to get back to playing real football again. And that was true of football. But I think it was the idea of like, OK, what's going to give me a better opportunity to grow? I could stay in the IFL and try to make this thing work and, you know, just hang out in Iowa. And a lot of those guys have to get a job in the off season and just try to grind it out. I'm like, or I could take this other chance and, and really try to grow as a football player. One, try to get uh, to a higher level and also like really challenge myself on a personal level. Of like, all right, you've never lived in another place. Like you're going to grow as a person. Uh, so I feel like it was a great opportunity for both of those things to go develop as a player and, see another part of the world and really try to make myself uncomfortable again and, and learn from that. So at the end of this Berlin season, I mean, what was going through your mind? Kind of like, damn, I'm glad I took this jump. Like, this is great. I'm young. I'm traveling the world. I'm meeting new people. I'm playing the game. I love, I mean, opportunities are arising or what was your thought process going on? So at the conclusion of the season, I, I was actually taking a little trip around Europe. I was uh, hanging out at, in uh, Rome, and then I went to Greece. It was kind of my thought my thought getaway, right? I was, as I was traveling the world and thinking, like, all right, wh- what do I want to do with my life? Where do I see myself? I was like, yeah, I still want to keep playing football. You know, I'd love to be able to somehow make more money while doing this and make this sustainable. Because, like, as you know, as an international player, you're like, yeah, it's great when it's happening, the months are playing, but it's not necessarily sustainable to live off of and like really save and and get a foundation. Like it's pretty temporary. So you're like, just kind of thinking how I can make that possible. And I was like, all right, that's when the uh, Alliance and the XFL were starting up too. I was like, maybe I'll go back home and do a couple of those tryouts, see if I can sneak my way into those leagues. So I I had began brainstorming of what I could do again. And the IFL team started reaching out again. Like, what are your plans for next year? I was like, Hmm. I don't really want to go back there too much. Um, wasn't a great lifestyle. And that's when Japan became more serious to me. And I was like, I would love to go play out there. I heard great things about the league, better pay, and just like a better quality of life. And I was like, all right, just started contacting people that might be able to help me get in there. And that's that's when I came back uh, in maybe like October, December, right before COVID started hitting. So that's really kind of put a damper on my, my plans of like, getting in front of teams, but it didn't stop Japan, which was great. And uh, I was able to get a couple tryouts and then it kind of brought me here. But yeah, at the end of the Berlin season, I guess I really didn't have a place 
in mind, I wasn't set on anywhere yet. I was still pretty open of where to go. But I mean, isn't this freaking cool? Like you followed your passion and the places it's led you, the growth, the experience. Um, I know now you're figuring out ways to make money online. You're seeing the world at a young age. Like, isn't it pretty freaking neat what following the passion does? Definitely, man. It's opened up possibilities that I didn't even know were there. And, and like you said, you know, maybe you could help me out with this, Nick, is trying to make money online and being creative and, and connecting with people that, you know, you always have to be willing to learn. And that's what I've loved about this process. There's so much I don't know. And I, I just try to be open to everything out there. And I don't do everything. And uh, sometimes I say, oh, that's a bad idea or a good idea. But I love seeing how people make it work. And uh, that's what I love about your podcast, man. You're out there interviewing people that are finding ways to make it work that are kind of obscure or unique. And I'm hoping to find uh, ways myself. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, definitely a good community to connect with 100%. But I, I just love the idea. And it's kind of happened to me is like when you follow the passion, all of a sudden these weird opportunities arise. Yeah. It's like the universe gets behind you and you meet this certain person or you read this thing and you start doing this and it's like you're rewarded. You know what I mean? You're rewarded for being right. bold and, and not, you know, settling and, and doing what you want to do, like be on the path you want to be on. And I think that's, I get like little things that happen to me throughout the day or like, I'm just like somewhere, like I was in the Island of women, like, uh, like five days ago, um, Islam O'Harris and, I was just, I was riding this um, electric moped thing and I'm just like, I mean, what am I doing? I mean, this is a, like is it the, the yeah. lockdown and COVID I'm on this moped with a beautiful local lady. Like I, it's just clear as day, the water I'm in the Caribbean. I'm like, thank God I decided to live how I yeah. want to live. You know what I mean? Like I couldn't imagine being back in like Minnesota lockdown. I mean, it's just, uh, Dude, those people, can't even imagine the life you're living right now. It's like, I've been there too. It's like when you're in Illinois and it's freezing, you're like, man, there's people are in right now, like you are. I'm basically a resort living life, enjoying like the sun and getting out. And it's like COVID lockdown in Minnesota. So it's like, man, you, you just manifest. You're like, I want a better life. I got to get out of here. I got to do something. And you made it happen. And there's something empowering about that. Like you, you see the ability of like, I can go make it work anywhere kind of thing. And yeah, it's, that's sweet, man. It's uh it's definitely the little things like that are, are just like the most rewarding while well, you're just hanging out with the, the breeze while driving your moped, man. Well, I mean, well, uh, fortune favors the bold. I love that quote, but look at you, dude, you, you were nine to five. You paid for $200 in arena football. Then you found yourself in Berlin, a, a fun city, a fun city. But now yeah. like, well, America's shut down. Everyone's losing their job. I mean, you got a steady check and you're in Tokyo playing right. the game you love. That's freaking amazing. All right. I really couldn't have asked for a better opportunity, man. It's great out here. And uh, yeah, like you're saying, I think just putting the chips into the middle of the pot, you know, I'm a little bit of a gambler myself, but it's like that idea of like, you can't win anything if you don't wager anything. And you just got to be open to what's out there and kind of get out of your bubble. Like people in, in my network back home in the Midwest sometimes think a little, I think one dimensionally, they're like, they don't realize what else is out there. Yeah. You can go create another life in another country that's you know, like you said, it's, it can be a paradise. It can be a little bit of a, a getaway. And uh, especially now with the COVID, you never know where the world's going, but some countries are handling it better than others. So yeah, it's, it's definitely a blessing to, to be in Japan right now. So overall, I mean, through this story, let's get, let's get really practical here now. Mm -hmm. uh, how does someone find their passion? How does someone have the balls to kind of make these decisions? Can you kind of give our listeners some, some the best advice, the advice that you've kind of lived by so far? 
I guess to find your passion, I would say I've always heard it and explained to me in the sense of like uh, time. So it'd be like, where do you find yourself getting lost? Like maybe you really love learning languages, right? And time just flies when you're learning Spanish or Italian and you're sitting there reading a book and you don't even realize you missed dinner and you've been reading for four hours and like, that's your escape. Or maybe it's like painting and you do that with painting or with, with us, it was football. You know, like when I played football, nothing else mattered when I was in those lines. Like I could throw routes and lift weights and watch film. And next thing I know, that's taken up my whole day and it didn't even feel like work. Right. So what doesn't feel like work and what you can spend time doing, that's what I'd say. That's your passion. Like it's a no brainer. And another good way to do it is what would you do for free? So if, if I have this conversation with people when I'm back home and I say like, okay, say I was to give you, I don't know, $10,000 a month, what would you do? And if they say their job, then yeah, you can save their job. And I did that to a nurse and I go, okay, money aside, what would you do? And she goes, I'd love being a nurse because I love helping people. And I go, that's great. That's beautiful. You're not doing it for the money or for the stability or whatever. You're doing it because that's your passion. But if you find yourself like, okay, the minute I make $10,000 a month, I'm quitting my job. You should do that right now. Like, that, like that, that's not your passion. That's not your calling. You're doing that as a means to an end. That was good. That was very practical. So what about all the stress and the, the times that you're questioning yourself and how do you get over that? Like I'm in a hotel in the middle of bumfuck Iowa. Like, <laughs> playing, I'm getting hit. There's the, the arena football is fast and you get your ass blown yeah. up. Like, when does there come a point like, okay, maybe I messed up. Like, or how do you get past that hurdle? Right, you, you can, uh, you can be real with yourself and, and be like, all right, yeah, that wasn't, maybe this isn't for me, but I think the thing is you just got to see it through. There's always ups and downs. So whenever you're doing right, like, okay, I play football, but I probably made every mistake you can as a quarterback at one point, you know, it's like, you're not going to have perfect days. And even if you go for your passion, it's still not going to be perfect. So it's like, yeah, those mom- moments are humbling for sure. And you're like getting ragdolled and you're like, I'm making no money. I physically hurt. Like, what am I doing? Like I could just go back and some are more comfortable, but I see the the end goal is more important to me than often like the temporary pain or embarrassment or suffering. It's like, you know, where do I want to be and why am I doing this? And then if it's worth it, then I stay the course. And if it's not, then then you're right, I would pivot. But for me, football was always worth it. And yeah, that's why the IFL wasn't great, but it was well worth it to stay the course. I like that. I like that. How about some books that have changed your life? Not necessarily investing, but a book that has made a big impact? My, my standard book, I always reference people, it's kind of a business book, uh, is Never Split the Difference. It's uh, by Chris Voss, negotiation book. But it's not just about like business deals necessarily. He's a FBI negotiator. And it's kind of more about human interaction and, and people's uh, conversation, like mastering a conversation than uh, negotiation. But I really enjoyed that one. I think you got Cody to read that because he was all talking about that. In a couple yeah, of- I did reference the Cody too, yeah. I, it's a great one. It's definitely business heavy. Like if you, but the thing is people, uh, everyone's in negotiations, whether it's like for a job salary or, or even just like picking dinner with your wife or whatever, like everyone's in a negotiation. So it's not like a sales book or like a, so much technical. It's more just like easy, practical ways to be a better negotiator. A quote you live by? A simple one that I did in college that I love and I still, I think it's beautiful is um, 
it's just enjoy every sandwich. And uh, it's by Warren Zevon. He was a musician and he was diagnosed with cancer and he was terminally ill. And he was on David Letterman and David Letterman goes to him and says, what about life and death? Do you know more than me or like has changed your perspective? And he, and he turns to him and says, it's just uh, clear how important it is to enjoy every sandwich. And I just love it. It's just so simple and beautiful that like, you know, ups and downs, just enjoy the little things, enjoy the journey. Man. And I love living by that. This is what the Italians really do good at is like when they have a meal, it's like a full on production and like they're engrossed into the meal. You know what I mean? Like enjoying it mm-hmm. and you know, the wine and the, 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 how well it's made and good talks and all that stuff. But yeah, doing that to like every part of life. You know what I mean? Like you're on the beach, like actually enjoy the beach, get off your phone and all that. You know, how to be present. That's what they all say. The hippies, right. you know, just learn how to be present, but it's true. Cause we're always thinking about the past. always thinking about the future yeah. and just let the, the time go. That's why I think this traveling stuff really, you get to hack into it. Cause then like I told you, yeah with the moped thing like you're just like oh my god you know what i mean like you're just you, you actually See, that's a good moment it's a perfect moment of you accepting presence and it's harder to do than than people realize but like that's a perfect example of like you just took that and you know that moment was going to last forever but you were enjoying like wow i'm on a moped you, you realize like how far you come and it's humbling those moments of like you're just like completely present and it's beautiful do you know what else is that too is is like playing football like you're in the yeah. game, you're in the moment, like you're present. Right. I mean, you're just, you're, that's when you're flowing too. Like that's, so I think that might right. be a thing. Like you just talked about following your passion. Like what's something you get lost in doing the time goes by. It's, yeah. uh, it's like football too. When we're in the game, like it's just, you're, you're, you're living, you're, you're thinking about this. That's like, that's what's weird about football is it's always been a double-edged sword with me. Like once, like I'm sure you experienced it too. Like when you're in the game, you literally don't have time to think about like, you know relationships or money or whatever stress and you're just thinking about like what coverage is this what play it is but then once the game ends all those things often come rushing back to me because I always was on like a one-year deal or I didn't know what was I didn't know where I was going to live in the six months or like what I was going to happen you know after the season so it was always like a football brings me that ultimate I'm in the moment I'm here there's nothing in the world that I'm else thinking about but then when the game ends I'm like okay how am I going to live where am I going to eat where am I going to play next year and it's kind of been that double-edged sword for me so yeah that's really interesting a lot of coaches say that too like when you get to the field like all your problems are gone like you just focus on here and it's like a form of uh, therapy for us type deal yeah fantastic kurt well i know you got some what do they do samurai swords over there in japan you gotta <laughs> get, get to some classes over there right man i gotta i gotta learn everything about this culture it's definitely different they got you know sumo sushi uh-huh. yakiniku everything you can uh have so it's a clash of technology and tradition here it's it's a fun place to live well like we talked about um i don't want to hold you from throwing yourself into the moment go experience the japanese culture you know live that life i need to go to japan i really want to see tokyo but really appreciate you on i think you got a great story a good vibe um that kind of bold energy i like and uh like i said we have the community here and we always ask our guests what can they give to the community um what would you you know, willing to offer maybe some help with this football stuff or investing? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm, I would be feel free to reach out with any questions trying to play internationally, um, whether it's Europe or Japan. Um, with investing, I'm definitely not a financial licensed advisor, I, but I'm always interested for new ideas and uh, finding ways to create money. So feel free to reach out with uh, any ideas or um, interest. But 
Yeah, man. Uh, me and Cody are going to have to join you out in Mexico, man. Have a beer on the beach someday, though, once this COVID's over. Yeah, I think I'll be here till like February. So, I mean, you got to get him out of his freaking – that kid works nonstop. <laughs> you got to get hey, him. He's grinding. You talk about grinding, man. That guy's yeah. never left the Juco grind. The Roach. So, yeah, yeah. He's scared <laughs> to go back to that lifestyle. Yeah. Uh, That's great, man. Well, hey, good time. Um, thanks for making this happen. And uh, I hope people connect with you and I hope you connect with us. And maybe we find some, some people to help you make some money online. Definitely, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. And uh, never know, maybe down the road I can get on again once. Uh, once yeah. Thanks for having me. Maybe we'll find each other playing in the, in the Euro Cup or something against each other. Yeah, never know. Never know. Hi, <laughs> man. Uh, appreciate you. Daily spec, I keep Sadia. Not a China man, because I ain't from China, man. I am Japan, man. You see Nigo coming out of the black pants as a lot. I wonder where he get that kind of money. Don't worry about it.